Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Neil Amy, founder and CEO of Sprios, and it's two absolutely awesome products, Rayobyte, an award-winning proxy provider committed to reliability and ethics, and Scraping Robot, a powerful web scraping service. Uh, they're fully bootstrapped with a remote team, building great culture, and growing steadily for the last almost eight years. Yeah. <laughs> seven, yeah. seven and ten yeah. months. Yeah. 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 Okay. Exciting to see you here. Oh, thank you, Anna. Thanks for having me. And well, uh, it's great that uh, this is the the second time a colleague refers an amazing founder to me. I'm really, really happy about it because it's just it just gets you a different kind of connection there. So let's get to it. First, maybe let's talk about your background. I mean, it's it's fascinating. You started building your companies when you were like what eleven or something like this. Can you get there a little bit? Yeah, yeah. My my first dollar made online. I think I was 14 and I think I'm okay. past the statute of limitations at this point to get in trouble for this, but I had to convince my mom to give me her social security number to open a PayPal account. And she said, what's this for? And I lied and said that it was to buy something on eBay because you needed that. But it was actually so I could receive income, which when I'm 14, I didn't think about, oh shit, maybe she needs to pay taxes on that. And so oh. I, I made hundreds of dollars every year and never told her she didn't know that income was being made. But yeah, yeah, it was doing writing articles then on Fiverr, Fiverr. And that's how I kind of got started. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, from, from Fiverr to this powerful scraping tool, how did you get there? What was the inspiration? Yeah, so from the Fiverr days, there was a very, very popular internet marketing IM uh, forum called Warrior Forum, and mm -hmm. that's how I kind of got I, I got got sucked into this this guru vortex where there's these guys on there, and I'm so susceptible to it. The internet is still kind of newish, and internet marketing's newish, and there's people who's who are posting these beautiful copy landing pages saying, make all this money, pyramid schemes and all these things. And I just got sucked into it and, and loved it. And I was writing articles, finding different small ways to make money, affiliate sites kind of being one of my go-tos. And as I kept evolving in that area, I started getting more towards, I, I started S, or, uh, affiliate sites and then I moved into mm -hmm. doing SEO for those uh, affiliate sites. And so then I started learning in the world of SEO, search engine optimization. And then uh, as I was doing my own sites, I'm like, oh, why can't, shouldn't I just sell these SEO services to other people? And this is back in the day, this is, gosh, dates me, but f 15 years ago when you could rank mm -hmm. overnight on Google by posting a few blog comments on a site saying, Hey, check out my yeah. site and Google overnight would just rank you number one. And so I was kind of in that area of SEO and using a lot of different SEO tools, proxies, scraping, scraping my search engine rankings to see how the SEO was working. And through time and through time, through end of high school and into college, I was kind of staying there. And then towards the end of, uh, college, I, I kept running into problems with my proxies, my proxies I was using. And I was like, gosh, it's got, I tried competitor, competitor, and they all sucked. And so I said, 
I was going to make my own proxy company. And I posted a job on Elance at the time. Again, that dates me because they've been acquired from, from, from Upwork and uh, I yeah. got kicked off in 2015. Okay. All right. That that's quite a story. I mean, but still, you, you chose kind of a a more sustainable way to to get there. You actually worked and you evolved from just writing articles to SEO to then trying different products and then building your company and going to college. Because we, we were talking a lot here about like the whole bootstrapping and like founder mentality and like how you oh i don't need that you know college is overrated i'll just jump into building yeah. product right away so you chose a bit of a, a more traditional <laughs> road there yeah right right my roi on my hourly rate probably isn't the best and i consider the, the, the hundreds of hours to get to this point when you know the versus on the bootstrap route versus raising the money yeah. but yeah it worked it turned out yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So what was your, the, you said you posted a job on, on a website trying to find a co-founder or like, what, what were you trying to, yeah. to do? Yeah, that was on, so that was, that was the warrior forum. Again, that was kind of one of the earlier businesses you could say. And I, I, I again, I was probably 15. No, no, no. I, I was probably pushing closer to like 17 in high school. And I, I was really getting into the SEO services and, and different automations and, and things I was offering. And I was like, gosh, I just really need a programmer. I, I was programming. I knew how to do some very basic programming, but I kind of needed to level up on some ideas I had. And so I posted on this warrior forum and I said, hey, like a naive kid, like, hey, just looking yeah. for like, and I look back at these posts, I, I have some of them. And, and it's just like, this terrible, terrible grammar, terrible. <laughs> I, just, I was like, so embarrassed, like, oh my gosh. But I say like, hey, uh, looking for somebody to help me out with some, uh, some programming. And, and I, I posted that. And then I found another thread in like the same area, this guy like had posted two similar, but on the opposite, he said, hey, I'm a programmer. And I don't have any business ideas. I need a visionary to come basically is what he's saying. And like, Oh, I got plenty of ideas. So I reached out to him and yeah. he was, uh, I was 17. He, he was a, he was a college professor for computer science out, out in uh, North Carolina. And so it, it was like a remote thing. And we, we worked together. We built kind of this product together that kind of had a good stream of money, maybe a thousand dollars a month. It was good enough. It was pretty passive. And we worked together mm -hmm. for maybe a year and a half together on this project together. And we took a trip to Hawaii. It was the first time we met each other. We, oh, we, wow. we, it was all remote. We never Skyped or anything like that. Skype obviously was back then. And we said, yeah, sure. Let's do a, let's do a trip to Hawaii. And we met each other there. And yeah, it was just kind of a surreal thing. It just kind of worked out for both of us. And then we both went our separate ways and it wasn't like really taking off then. Wow, that's a wild story. Okay. Were you trying to like at first say that that you're older or something? Like because you were just <laughs> no, a kid. I, no, I, I don't know if that ever got brought up, honestly. Like I, I'm trying to recall okay. like the extent of our conversations. And I, I don't know. It was just kind of like a transactional <laughs> partnership. Was he like, oh, I thought you were a 40 and you're just like <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Here's me in my backpack. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know how old he was. And like he's like, okay. we were looking for each other at the airport. And he's like, Yeah, I'm wearing this this type of shirt or something. And I found him like, oh shit, I did not like I never seen a picture of him, never skyped him or anything. We had oh, a blast wow. and otherwise. It's nice. 
That's super cool. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, and fast forward to maybe to these days, right? You you have a pretty big uh, team right now and everyone's remote. So I guess that's the just the setting that you were pushing uh, from the very beginning. Was it, by the way, difficult? Because like you started obviously before COVID, uh, was it difficult to find people who would go for a remote setting? Or was it a, like the ultimate flexibility that you offered that nobody else was offering at the time and so, something that maybe pushed you and gave you an advantage of hiring better, better people. Yeah, we, we, uh, it was, we'd been remote from 2015, started remote the company officially through 2018. And I, I moved back to my hometown in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. And, uh, it was then when I was like, you know what, I've been working remote long enough. It'd be nice to see what it'd be like to be in an office environment. You know, you're on collaborative yeah. whiteboards. You, you feel the energy of people, and so we started an office in in Lincoln, and then moved into a bigger one. Through well, technically we closed it down at the beginning of this year. Um, so we started at the end of eighteen, which is you know convenient time as as COVID came around in a year from mm. then, well, basically. And so it was it was working. We were growing our our local presence. But we had always been remote, and so when COVID came, especially, uh, it was an easy transition. Our our whole internal processes were all remote based because most of our team is still international. And so, to answer your question on on the other side of it, was it was it a value add sell when we were when we were hiring people? Since we've always been remote, and we mostly hire um, outside the U.S., where we always had. It, for me, it just kind of felt default, but I guess for some people, it could have been a new thing back in 15, 16, 17. For us, it was just, we posted a job and so this is remote and people apply. So I never thought about it anyways. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because like now a lot of people say that, you know, we actually started remote uh, from the very beginning and like COVID never changed anything for us. So now like when we are talking about the whole craze of like luring people back to the offices where like, yeah. you know, never did it, then, you know, never yeah. going to. Yeah, yeah, right. So right. for us, it's just another, yeah. Okay. So um, maybe let's talk about the way you operate, right? Because uh, something that I noticed right away when I went to the website uh, was that you have support 24 seven. And that was kind of like, huh? Okay, and there is like a real person 24-7 that you can reach out to that will answer your, your questions. And with like with the rise of AI, especially, it kind of that feels surreal already, right? Actually yeah, having yeah, a real right. person there. Yeah. So like when did you decide that, that was crucial for you? What does it solve to you? And are you going to move on with AI at some point or keep uh, a real person there. Yeah, yeah. It started from day one. It was when I started the company, um, we, we were, for, for context, I, I'd been doing, again, back in 2015, is my last semester of college. And I was doing maybe $1,500 a month in some SEO services. And it was enough to get by as a bachelor in a small town in Nebraska to live off of that, to keep experimenting with things. And then I came up with the proxy idea, like, wow, there's no good proxy providers and all their service sucks too. And I said, why don't I start it? And in the first three months, that last semester of my college, 
we went from zero dollars to a hundred thousand dollars and then year one of 2016 it was like 1.1 million and so it was just like a shock to the system like oh my gosh what are we doing here and one thing i always knew yeah. from the very beginning in in the proxy field we're at the lowest level on in the infrastructure layer for the data gathering stacks so you have proxies and then you have scraping stack on top of that and then that's fed into data science teams who then probably feed it into something that actually goes to an end customer provides an end value like a like a flight search engine or or, or your mm -hmm. amazon price comparison tools so we're very at the bottom and because of that you need dang near 100 percent uptime because if a proxy is offline it breaks the entire stacks and then everyone's coming from the top down saying hey why isn't this working and they go why isn't this working? it comes down to us and so we always needed this idea of 24 7. so back in 15 and, and still to this day we've targeted we didn't start like day one but I, I would do support 10 hours a day and then eventually midway through year one i hired somebody in asia asia time zone to cover the other side of it he would do 10 hours a day so we already had 20 hours just from two people and now over time we've we've grown into shift work and stuff but to just your point on on ai definitely definitely we have to leverage that for the the things that ai can do extremely well but definitely today anyways that the transactional like help me with my order when's my order coming or give me a refund things like that i i still have this um this optimist side of me of the, there's going to be some some value I don't, I don't think companies have figured it out yet but i i still find there's going to be value for companies to provide that human touch to to the support what that looks like i hate to speculate right now but it's good to see a face and i, I think ai is going to drive us more and more to a world of transactions and and that i think people can differentiate themselves if they bring a personal touch to their their interactions with customers yeah yeah definitely you know we we discuss that here a lot too and so far every other founder just says you know ai is great and absolutely let's leverage it but let's outsource like some let me google it for you kind of questions yeah. but everything that you know that is that requires that personal touch and that kind of you know requires a person on the other side to know what you're going through then maybe let, let's keep a person there yeah yeah right right yeah all right okay so another thing that also i noticed and also maybe uh, i noticed it because we we started talking about it um with our team with our central team marketing team at SaaS group uh is building topic authority and then i started researching about you and rayobite and everything that you do and i went to your blog and it was like okay well that is just gold because like everything you want to know about scraping in every aspect of it is there so how did you decide that that content marketing is going to be something that you will double down on and this is something that maybe will differentiate you from other other scraping tools i mean we also own a scraping tool, as you know. So yeah. also, of course, this is one of our strategies. Content is everything we want to showcase all the scenarios, all the possible use cases where, you know, it's a, it's a great tool. Um, but yeah, how did it come to you? And are you using your own scraping for for SEO for your content? Well, I'm embarrassed to keep this brand alive. 
but our <laughs> prior to it was about a year ago now at this point we rebranded from our so that when the company formed in 2015 our name was blazing seo which is you know again one of those things it's like, wonderful oh, <laughs> what were you thinking yeah and i asked my attorney at the time which i didn't really know much about that stuff either i'm like what do you think of this name he's like i don't know i'll file the paperwork i'm like okay i guess that was a yes um so again because that comes from my seo background and when i started selling proxies i was mostly doing using proxies for seo purposes and so i'm like okay and i knew people i knew communities i was in skype groups and so i i that was my target market and so i was when i started the proxies i just posted in these channels and i said hey anyone need proxies for seo stuff and i was like yeah sure we don't have any loyalty to these other crappy providers we'll use you and so blazing seo was was the the brand up until embarrassingly a year ago uh, we finally there's a lot that goes into a rebranding it's not just changing a logo and a name there's back-end code there's front-end code there's customer support there's your emails and how you forward things from old emails and closing down i mean it's just there's so much and we finally made the effort and rebranded to railbyte um but because back to your question i'm like how did content marketing come into all of this with my background in seo that's been our main channel of of traffic and obviously it's public data to see where we rank by using a tool like SEMrush or ahrefs and we're up there if not beating the number one competitors in our market in terms of keyword ranking and search volume and stuff like that so that's always been our bread and butter and we focus a lot on that in both our brands so railbot and scraping robot do we use scraping for uh, our our own purposes I wouldn't say necessarily direct, directly, the, the, those mm -hmm. tools today, uh, like the SEM rushes and I mean, all your other niche tools are using scraping. So I guess by indirectly we're using it, but I wouldn't say specifically for our content strategy, we're not using like scraping robot itself for our content strategy. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay. All right. Well, uh, just one question before we go back to, uh, to rebranding, because like, on LinkedIn and it, it's all over it, right? Including from like uh, thought leaders like Rand Fishkin, right? SEO is dead or SEO is going to be dead tomorrow. Uh, so many posts about it, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't move the needle anymore or like you don't have to spend so much time and budget on SEO because there are other things that, uh, that you should double down on. What do you think about it? Like, what is it some kind of a buzz? What is it about? How are you fighting it in any way? Yeah, we've had an interesting uh, past year or two ourselves trying to crack the code on how to, from being 
top or some days the top on our rankings and our against our competitors to like, how do we really get ahead of them? And mm -hmm. we just kind of like stagnated and that's been kind of challenging. Um, that, that aside, there's a lot of context that goes under the, the gurus saying that and respectfully love right, Fishkin as well too. Um, SEO as it was yesterday is dead as it was back in 2015 when I started or, or 10, 15 years ago when I was just creating backlinks and breaking up it's there's a, every day it's dead. I mean, in a, in a, mm. a corny way to say that. So yes, with AI and, and, and how Google's going to start ranking websites, it's just going to change, but nevertheless, you're going to have some way people want to find information about a company and they need to, they need to search somewhere. So Google will forever exist, but now you have SEO for chat GPT. You have AI SEO that, you know, when, how do you start getting into these AI models and how, what they're recommending to customers when someone's asking, Hey, I don't know how to scrape. Can you provide me some tools and resources? How are you the first company that the chat mm -hmm. GPT is the one that responds, responds to? So. That's it. That's, you know, I think that's just keeping up with the times as things have changed 15 years ago till now AI will greatly change that um, for us as it exists very to this day. In just the last couple months, we've, we had a, a, a new uh, strategy. We just put out that just, I think our, our keywords are up like 25% or something. And it's, it's, it's sustaining over a month. So to, the, the idea that there's nothing you can do to change it today, I, I don't subscribe to that, but there's a lot of nuance behind where I do agree with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, sure, like now com companies and like websites that have been around for a few years and have been doing great with SEO, they still have this like advantage over the new kids that are trying to like break into SEO. And obviously, yeah, there is no way you can break it break into it like it's 2015 absolutely but uh to say that it's like completely dead i don't know and for us again like looking at just a range of companies at size group yeah no i i cannot back it up 100 yeah. percent. yeah all right okay well uh let's go to rebranding because that's that's a fun topic blazing seo uh is dead <laughs> Yes, yes. Now. Get, get that <laughs> off of the, the search queries. We don't, want to keep, yeah. we don't want the algorithms to hear you say that more because then it'll just keep popping up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So <laughs> Rayobite, uh, it is now, well, obviously you didn't like the name. That That's one. How did it go for you um, with the rebranding? What was the most challenging part? How did you communicate it with your customers and and with your with your team too how did you get to rayobite why the name and and yeah how how does it work for you now because like obviously you abandoned this one name and you probably yeah well dropped in in the ranks too so yeah how did it go what were the challenges one of the greatest challenges is that my personality type on different personality tests is philosopher of, of is what some of the tests define it as. And so 
the problem with that is I can just keep thinking about like, oh, what about this? What about this? And I hesitate. Oh, I don't know if I like this name. I don't know if I like this name. Mm. And so we spent a lot of iterations. This was before ChatGPT came out and could give you a thousand synonyms to, to brainstorm yeah. on too. Gosh, that would have been helpful. Um, but but finally, eventually, we we once stuck out to us, Rayobyte and the how it is, is built is Rayo. Rayo's theorem is a mathematical theory that is the largest conceivable number that you can think of. At least this is my interpretation of the theory. And so if you can think, if your mind can think of 1 billion, well, Rayo's number is 1 billion and 1. If you can conceive of 100 trillion million, then it's plus 1. And so we took the idea of Rayo and then put it with byte to communicate the message to our customers in a way that we offer proxies, we offer scraping, we're allowing you to collect data, collect bytes, an unlimited basically amount of, of data that can be collected. So that's, that's a good point behind cool. behind the name. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're proud of and it's it rolls off the tongue in most languages and it's easily spelled and pronounced. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So th that's how we came to the name as that was one of the, the greater challenges. And then as I was saying earlier, I we couldn't have predicted the amount of work that would go into, we knew it would be a lot, but you just start finding different systems integrate with different things. You have old point of contacts, old places you're signed up with, with this email and over, it's just a logistical nightmare. And we had a brilliant, brilliant guy on our team, Isaac, who's head of our marketing department, but he's just brilliant and project managing. And it was just, it was project managing every function in the company. Like, Hey, how does, mm -hmm. How do you work with the old blazing SEO? What needs to be changed? And we need to do it in a way that we weren't still communicating blazing SEO at the same time as real, but it wasn't like a, like overnight change our logo and domain and we're done. It's like so many things underneath it. And so I, I it's a forewarning, but I'm so to, to others who are considering that, but, but I'm so happy we did it. So if you know, you don't feel, you don't resonate with your brand anymore, carve the time out and, and get planned and find yourself an Isaac Coleman. Definitely. <laughs> okay well that's uh that's a great advice uh difficult but maybe doable um all right well uh you know i i like the name and the the story behind it i think it's just brilliant all right well since you started talking about the team and, and the culture that that you have there uh and um Maybe also the fact that that you're a solo founder. Let's throw throw it in there too. I've read a few of your blog posts, and you talk about the way you're building your culture within the company, and the way you are building yourself into becoming a leader of the company, and how many challenges there are, and how you have to you have to deal with the expectations from the team and then the team has to deal with the expectations from you and the managers and the customers and everything. So what is the ultimate value that, that you're trying to create for the team and how do you address it yourself? One of Sprius's core values is yeah. self-actualization. And it's a term from Abraham Maslow, what one can be, one must be. And he studied, empirically studied, he's an American psychologist that studied human motivation, essentially. And he came to this conclusion of what the human believes they can be. They have this motivation inside of them that they know that they must go do that. 
And so mm -hmm. we really embody that as much as possible with the, the strong, strong asterisks that it's not a, the concept is not a more, more, more idea. It's not that you have to keep, keep excelling, excelling. It's you stepping back individually. Everyone is unique to ourselves to ask, what do I think I can really be? And then we encourage you to go out and do that. For me, I like, I like doing triathlons. That's me. That's what I like. But other people, what they can be is different than that. Maybe they want to be a great painter and they know they can, they have a creative ability to do that. And if they know that we want to encourage, okay, what are you doing this week to, to embody that? And they may, you know, and it's a coaching moment. So, well, I don't mm -hmm. know, well, maybe go buy up, go buy yourself a canvas and, and, and just make your first brush stroke. And, you know, that's the environment we, we, we try creating. So uh, that's what the value I want to provide to our team. Most, most of all, I think. Okay. And I know that you're doing a great job and like bringing people together, even though you're all remote, uh, is you have your little challenges every month, right? So wh what is it this month? This month, uh, my goal was to do 100K of running, 100 kilometers of running. Um, I'm a little behind on that. I've been doing more biking though, which I've been appreciative of, but that's my goal. That's my monthly challenge. And so for the others that um, last month is probably the best context I can, I can share is we had a push-up challenge. And in this, in this mm -hmm. challenge, we had two, two forerunners that were, uh, I think one ended around 50,000 push-ups in a given month. And then oh, the second place person was in the thirties as well too. And so they blew past one and two. And then we had a bunch of, dare I say, average guys trying to fight for this, this more reasonable, less inhuman third place yeah. ranking, which is very hard for me because I'm very competitive. And coming up on the last two days, I did, I hurt my shoulder and it still hurts two weeks later. And, and oh, I man. had to give, I had to give, throw in a towel and give someone the, but those are, these are obviously physical that I'm talking about, but um, other, other people, one last month, one guy on our team, he, he, he admits and he publicly shared that he said, I have a really bad problem biting my fingernails, you know, like really bad, like where he's, where he's biting around it. He's like, and he has to usually put like the, like kind of like chemical stuff that makes it taste mm. bad. And he's like, this month I'm going to track how many days I don't chew my fingernails. And so like it, he's, the goal is never what we communicate. It's never to be perfect. It's if you just get one check mark on this Excel sheet we build out, you should be proud of that because you're making a step into being all that you can be or one can be one must be. So yeah, there's many ideas that people have. I, I, th this month for me is uh, the running, but also uh, journaling in the morning again. I've kind of gotten out of my routine that I journal every morning. So I'm trying to hold myself accountable to doing that more often in the mornings. That's super cool. We had a, we had a, a health challenge sometime over summer uh maybe even the entire summer i'm a little blurry on that i wasn't a very uh big participant because <laughs> i had a lot going on but it was really cool and at first everyone was like okay i need to lose weight and everyone had like a goal to lose weight but then as we were going through it it adjusted to like more I wouldn't, I wouldn't say realistic, but more like personal things as in, mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't actually need to lose weight. I need to just walk more or I need to yeah. sleep more and eat more healthily and all that stuff. So like the, this very generic health challenge just became your own 
personal goal that you could actually relate to. And it was a lot of fun. And if you lost to yourself, obviously, you had to donate, like, I think it was like 50 euro to your favorite charity. So we did it. I lost. You did. Well, hey, the world still gets better. <laughs> yeah. And you make a good point about it not being, when you talk about weight loss, that that's a goal a lot of times. And, and I don't say it's it can be an external goal that you're focusing so much on a number. Whereas if you turn yeah. internally and ask us, why, why am I trying to lose weight? What does it mean to me? What is mm -hmm. weight gain and weight loss meant to me in my life. And those are the internal reflections that, you know, maybe it isn't about that number you're trying to meet, but maybe you need to eat healthier, which is, yeah. which will result in weight loss. Then maybe you just, mm -hmm. you've had a bad relationship with food and how you consume and, and cook food and that changes the, the narrative. So I appreciate yeah, yeah, that. absolutely. Sure. All right. Well, let's talk about your personal founder's journey, right? You mentioned tri uh, triathlon you're doing, and uh, I know that you're also training for Ironman, right? And well, and throughout this eight years, you're the only founder, you're the, the ultimate person to make decisions. Um, so how, how does it feel? Because again, a few solo founders on this podcast, a few challenges that they've shared and a few ways to like find a community or like share their ideas with some other founders. What is it for you? Like how to be healthy in this journey, like how to maintain mental health throughout this very consuming, very difficult um, situation when you're a solo founder? Yeah, yeah. Two two things come to mind. One a bit more tactically, but has led to emotional spiritual growth. Is an organization called EO Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a global organization, tens if not hundreds of thousands of people. And the criteria is you have to be majority owner of a business that does at least one million dollars in revenue. So for any of the mm. founders out there listening, if you meet that criteria, that's that's it the framework and process they have in the organization. And then you eventually get into what kind of a local forum, a local chapter um, over decades of very smart people contributing to building this framework out um, has this led to so much of my growth and support. And what you're working with is well, if other people meet that criteria. You're also with other majority mm -hmm. owner founders of successful businesses. And so you get to share with them in a group in a very protected, confidential setting about the challenge you're facing. And then the group responds in resonance, not advice. And they give you the resonance and say, hey, I have an experience share. Here's what happened to me. And it's on me to take that away. It's not people saying you should do this. You know, advice is strictly off the table. And so just hearing other people's experience that relate to challenges I face has made me feel less alone as you brought mm -hmm. up the word kind of community. And then the other, the other side of it is, uh, uh, well, it's, it's a philosophy, stoicism. I found stoicism back in 2018 and uh, the practicality of that, that, that philosophy really has re resonated with me to, to handle challenges. And one of the ones that sticks out most to me in this context is uh, Marcus Aurelius. He's one of the, the most famous Stoics, and he writes in his book, Meditations, he describes essentially that uh, his role 
in life that was given to him by nature. It's their form of a higher power of sorts. Nature wanted him to be an emperor. And he writes to himself, he says, I didn't want to be an emperor. I wanted to be a philosopher. And that was kind of the, the thing he wanted to be, an actual philosopher. But he said, nature is commanded, and this is, this is what I'm on this planet to do. And so I'm going to do it well. And so I, I use that a lot to remind myself, I, I think so, so far I've, I've led a successful company of, of people I really appreciate working with. And I remind myself, I, I, can't, I couldn't just go sit back in my programming ID and, and just write code all day in a lone box by myself. I think I have something more to give to the world. And today, anyways, it's being CEO of the company. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. And uh, I just, I think I, I first heard about this organization about, I don't know, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Oh. Uh, a friend told me about it when uh, when I mentioned that I was going to to Nepal to to my trekking trip, and I was like, mm -hmm. well, how cool would it be like to have a few founders there to join and yeah. you know to have this kind of again a little community to like where you network and you talk about like what you're building how you're doing it and he was like well you know they do this and sometimes there there are trips and uh, there was one to nepal maybe like five years ago or so and i was like okay maybe maybe i have to reach out to them see see how they're doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Know. We just like a, our local forum trip went to uh, the Philippines this last year, and okay. prior to that, I, I got there earlier with one other guy, and we reached out to the Philippines chapter, which is in business leaders in the Philippines. So we met with them for a night out and some drinks and stuff, and then we met up with our local chapter there and did like a retreat. And so, yeah, it's a global oh, community. Even wherever you go, most major cities is likely to have a chapter, and they're welcome. We, we love being around other founders of similar caliber because we just we know we get each other and so it's if someone reached out yeah. to me and said they're here in the netherlands i'd be like sure i'd love to meet up with you so yeah you get the idea great okay all right well just one more one more question about like the business itself because web scraping is a great area for i guess a lot of people and with the like a lot of unknown, I guess, involved in it. Uh, sometimes it has like a really bad tone to it when, when people talk about it. So what, and when I was uh, also preparing for the episode, that was, that was actually in the intro, right? You're a proxy provider committed to reliability and ethics, right? So how are you fighting that narrative and how the whole like legal and ethical side of the business is something that you're trying to bring some light to. Yeah. Well, as the news corporations of the world will do, they focus on the, the sexy criminal headlines yeah. over the good, you know, the negativity reigns supreme. And so, especially in the proxy field, again, the most infrastructure level, Proxy providers are known for people that are called botnets or you're in, people are installing malware on your computer and using your malware to do hacking. And that's the illegal definition of what a proxy can do. But a proxy also, again, supports the infrastructure layer that powers scraping companies who then power other companies. And so it's trying to get as much positive, positive messaging out on the good of it and where we turn to 
just consumers of the world who may see these bad headlines and say, you know, how could you possibly be doing this and being in this industry and supporting it? We, we turn and we ask them, we say, have you ever used a flight search engine before, like, like Skyscanner or Google Flights? Have you ever Googled before? Because at the end of the day, Google is a massive scraper. They scrape the entire world. And, and for anyone who would be seeing any information about scraping, likely has internet access and they've likely Googled before. And so that's like the most profound one to say, okay, yeah, I've Googled before. Google is a scraping company. And so you, you don't think about that when then a, you know, the sex sells title as like proxy company was part of a major botnet that hacked some website and caused a lot of damage. And so we're trying to fight that narrative. What we do on the product side, there, there is, there is the type of proxies and IP addresses we provide can be acquired unethically and definitely illegally. Illegally is like the malware side of stuff. Obviously none of us are at least most legitimate competitors that aren't doing that, but there's, there's a fine line between illegal and then ethical and, and unethical in between there. And you can acquire IPs in a way that isn't illegal on, on the legal side of things, but it's definitely not what we subscribe to. And so we, we have a, not to get too technical, but we, uh, we spend a lot of time making sure that all the IPs and the people who we are using their IP addresses know and consent. Yes. I know you're doing this. I know you're using this for scraping. I'm okay with that. I'm signing off on this. And as long as there's complete consent, we, we feel confident in what we're doing. Okay. Thank you. I think, I think it's very important to, to communicate that. Uh, all right. Well, just a couple more questions. And first one is, uh, about, uh, a hack. Well, um, just, I, I guess just because we, we talked about it already, right. About building your topic authority and just building so, uh, such a great, library of of content and communicating so well each case scenario uh with your customers is there a hack that you're using to to do that to i don't know to maybe find the best topics or to find the best length i don't know head headings or whatever it is that really attracts your your customers and your users to your content for us specifically, this is very contextual just to our industry, what we can see on the, the network level of people who use our proxies or scraping is we can see what domains they're connecting to. And so we just have a whole network log of thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of domains we see people are connecting to. From there, we can use that to generate ideas, say, huh, why did they connect to walmart.com? And we can start then doing our market research to say, why would someone need scraping for walmart.com? And now you start finding all kinds of content ideas and now you start building out your content styles about scraping said site. And so that's unique to us, I think, as I'm thinking about like the other people and other businesses using that internal data, understanding what your customers are using as the source of inspiration as because mm -hmm. if those customers are already paying you, it's already implying that, okay, if they're using it for this use case, there's other people out there that are also looking for that same use case, however they're using your product or, or tool. So I, I think that would generalize our, our strategy. Okay. Well, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I think, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great advice. And uh, one question that I always ask uh, is what has been so far the biggest win and the biggest failure for you as a founder or for either of the companies? 
we made a lot of dumb decisions on following my, uh, I'm like, oh, let's create a hundred different ideas and let's go here. So it's, I've yanked us around too, in too many different ways. And so I've, I've cost the company a lot of money just by my, that philosopher, philosopher uh, personality type. Um, but okay. that, that aside, that's not where I usually think about. It's, I think part of learning and growing now, we, now I'm a little bit more focused as an individual than I was back then. Um, but one of my greatest failures I always remember is it was back in, I think it's 2019, 2018. Uh, I'll never forget it. There's three people who are very close to me in, in life and have worked with the company for many years. Throughout the course of an eight hour day at the office, this is all people at the office, three different people came to me in tears, all completely separate instances. The first one came to me and said, hey, Neil, in short, she basically said, you're, I just don't like how you're treating me. You're kind of being an asshole. And I just kind of chalked it off. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, she's having a bad day, whatever, moving on. Next person comes and I'm like, and same, same kind of things. Like, I didn't like how you talked to me the other day. I feel like this is how we're communicating more and more. And I, I still like my ego is still like, oh, whatever we got, we were growing super fast then. I mean, we, we probably added 40% to our head count that year. And so I was just like, focus business results, results, results. And then finally, towards the end of the day, a third person, one of the closest I'm to, came to me and just weeping, just like, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't like, I don't think you're respecting me. I don't, I don't, I just don't like how this is going. And after that person left, I just like shut the door and I just, I just started crying. I, like it was like, it needed three punches to really just like, to shake me out of this, this headspace I was in. And from that point, again, it's probably end of 2018, I really stepped back and asked myself, what kind of leader do I want to be? I was driving results, business results, money, and we were growing, headcount, revenue, everything's growing, growing, growing. But I had no emotional intelligence. And that's not a default for me. I'm a computer science graduate. And so I can only think in terms of code and binaries and ones and zeros. I don't think about the human personality. And so that it's still not a default to this day. And I'll, I'll fall back when they... I'll fall back to those tendency and it's just something, a muscle I have to train to, to be a more compassionate leader. So that was one of my greatest challenges anyways, and it was a bit of a tangent. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing them. And uh, what was the biggest win? One of the biggest wins I would say is pretty recent. I hate to have recency bias, but I, th I think it's the truth of it. We pivoted as a company from a certain type of proxy data center proxies, which is our cash cow. And, and we're, we definitely consider we're the best at that in the industry, but we saw mm -hmm. where the trends were and are going with that, where more and more use cases, scraping use cases can't use data center IPs as effectively. And so more and more companies are changing to this new model, which is residential proxies, which have been around for a long time. We never entered that because of those ethical reasons before we couldn't see a way to ethically ethically acquire millions of residential IPs. And from what we saw with the other competitors, uh, got, there was proof that they were acquiring it unethically. So we're like, oh, there's our proof. There's no way we can get into this. And as we saw the, the death of data center, we're calling it the, the static IPs, we really just spent a lot of time, okay, we gotta figure this out. There has to be a way to do this. And through enough grit, we started We started back in 2000, end of 2019. And now our residential product line is, is we, we shifted resources about a year ago. Also, that was a big change. We about 
40% of our staff, we just said, we're moving it over. So it's, there's a book called from Christian uh, Christensen, uh, I forget his, his full name, Innovator's Dilemma. It talks about mm -hmm. companies. It's, it's so tempting to, to, to keep working on your cash cow. You can't prioritize R&D even though you know your cash cow is eventually going to die, it's just, it's so difficult. And we just said, we just overnight, we just flipped all, all 40, 50% of our staff over to this new product line, placing that gamble. This was about a year ago. And this year we're just seeing tremendous, tremendous, like 20% month over month growth. And it's not slowing down either. So I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of our team just willing to lean into that. And we're seeing the results of it now. So it's pretty exciting times. Awesome. All right. Well, it's it's great to see how how you guys are growing. I mean, scraping is something I'm I'm very new to. I mean, scraper API was was the first probably scraping going or well maybe not the first right that that I kind of well encountered right. I just never knew they were scraping, yeah, but right. but still yeah. the, the first one I I learned was doing that. So learning more and actually having this like very honest conversation about what it takes to to build it and how you're doing it is really great. So thank you for sharing it. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. All right. Well, I'm excited to see where you're going next year and you know how the company is going to grow. So hopefully we can do it again sometime. So thank you, Neil, so much for being on the show and take thank care. You. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, SAS Group. Appreciate you all. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.